Let me tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. Nah, 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 come on! We talk about the latest episode of Winning Time, how it is connected to the train wreck that is the 2022 Lakers, and break down what in the Sam Hill is happening in Brooklyn. And we marvel at the fact that with one week left, we still know almost nothing about who's going to be in the playoffs and where they're going to be. We've got eight days before the play-in game, folks, so go ahead and drop that motherfucking beat Sorry, uh, last week was a rough one for you, girl. Apologies, uh, no episode. It was rough. You wouldn't have wanted to hear me, see me, enjoy my energy. I was laid all the way out on my floor, sleeping like a little baby in the, um, was it fetal position, they say? Um, yeah, it was bad. Congestion, lost voice, migraines for about seven straight days. So I am sorry, but too much is popping, so we have to get to this. First and foremost, like every Monday until the show is over, and probably season two as well, because they can do this for over and over and over, we've got our heat check winning time recap. And good Lord. Have you seen it? Still waiting. Good Lord. Last night's episode of winning time was amazing. I was talking about it with some friends the other day, and I believe that... We are experiencing a television renaissance. Like I think we're in the, the golden age of television, and that includes the time period where you see The Wire and The Sopranos, and I like those two shows, and I like that period of time for, for TV, but this is on another level. The cinematography, like I've said, the music is just so good right now for TV. Just do not, do not get me wrong. We are getting gems dropped on us for winning time every single week. I can't even, I'm watching it. And as I'm watching it, I'm saying, holy shit, this is good. Like, this is so good. What, I said that last night three times in the middle of the show. Like, this is fucking awesome. I love this show. And I know not all of it's true. I don't care. The acting's great. I mean, all of it. And they don't even have to make up a fucking thing. The storyline has written itself. The history books are crazy as it is. So here's the thing. I'm not even going to... There's no spoiler alerts, really, because this is something that you can just go ahead. It's like if I did a recap on uh, a movie about JFK. You know what's coming. Like, you know where it's going. Like, I don't... If, oh, my God. Tristan, you spoiled the JFK ending. Folks, it's like that. You know what I'm saying? We know how it ends up. So two things happened last night with the 79-80 Lakers. 
One centers around brilliant coach Jack McKinney. No one remembers this guy, but he was one of the most innovative head coaches to face the league at that point in time. That free motion offense, he was such a salty-ass guy, too. He was like, do it over and over and over again until it's right. Close practices, pushing Jerry West out of the room, making him go and try to get Pat Riley to find him film in the back so that he could sneak in and see what was happening. The players trying to institute a coup because they weren't used to running that much and that fast pretty much at full pace. You've got an old Kareem, basically lazy as hell because he already has five MVPs and is thinking about retiring from basketball altogether. And Jack McKinney's like, what the fuck? I came in here to change the league. Came in here to change basketball. And these guys won't even do what I want. Got guys trying to get contracts, extensions. They're snitching on Jack McKinney to Jerry West. He's like, yo, I'm not here anymore. (laughs) It's all of this. So great. So great. They were a revelation constant sprinting stuff that actually makes you think to yourself could this particular show create a new version a new renaissance of the point guard because it makes you really love the role that they have in the offense so why hasn't anyone but old heads heard of Jack McKinney before really because 14 games into the season of the show, beginning of the Showtime Lakers, where the Lakers are in first place, he got into a bike accident and nearly died. The brake pads somehow seized up on him. And he just hit the brakes, fell off of his bike, no helmet, just what they call raw dog, no chaser, head to the cement, splat, stroke, and they replaced him with his uh, assistant coach who was working for Loyola Marymount, who then ended up taking the Lakers to the promised land. They fucking fired Jack McKinney. There's no, it's cold world out here. Ain't no love in the heart of the city. What what are we talking, you cannot make this up. And like, last episode we talked about how Jerry Tarkanian was quote unquote dissuaded from joining as the head coach of the Lakers. I was talking to a friend who loves hoops and he was like, I didn't even know that. The things that went on with this Lakers team, absolutely insane. And this episode five revolves around Kareem. Completely around the man, the myth, the legend, who's still yapping to the same, still running with the beat of his own drum to this very day. The same drum, too. Which is like, comport yourself like a professional and an activist, and anything less is disrespectful to the culture. And that includes you, LeBron James, which we'll get to right after this. So it delves into the fact that Kareem became a Muslim in college and his relationship with his working class father, right? And then it digs into the relationship between Kareem and Magic as well. Magic's coming in. He's loud. He's boisterous. He's smiling. He's dancing. He's bringing music in there. And Kareem does not like that. Because that makes them look like how he does not want the culture to be perceived, right? But Magic's trying to inject some life into this group, get them to win games, which is what they're supposed to be doing. And you circle back to the fact that Kareem doesn't even really want to be there in the first place. He wants to get enough money where he can ride out in the sunset and be the activist that he is, right? And he's thinking about he's at the end of his contract. Is he even going to play? And, and you got Magic being like, what's up, Cap? You need some orange juice? <laughs> He's like, get this, get this rookie out of my face, right? 
And he's bringing, he's bringing Kareem the paper every day with each section spaced out. He, like, orders it in Kareem's order that he wants. I want news first. I want sports last. I want science in the middle. I want fresh press orange juice brought to me every morning before 6 a.m. And, and Magic just wants to be near Kareem. He just wants to be near all that greatness. So he does all that like a puppy, excited, like a golden retriever. And the more he does, the more he tries to take the lead, the more he tries to get with Kareem, the more Kareem hates him. But they're running this new Showtime thing, right? And Kareem's, like I said, not interested in running, not interested in doing what Jack McKinney wants to do. He's already succeeded the way that he wants to, getting his 30 and 10 every single night, doing it in the low post, left hook, right hook, simultaneous, just killing in the game. But I don't want to run. No, I'm not doing all that. And Magic's like, listen, yeah, let's, let's run this thing. Let's be the Showtime Lakers. So... It all comes to a head where Kareem gets into the training room, pulls him aside, and he's like, listen, Magic's been trying to gain his respect and his friendship this whole time. And Kareem says, like, listen, I like your enthusiasm, but the way that you comport yourself, this is the quote from the show, and probably something like this was was sort of said, right? How you comport yourself in the public eye reflects poorly on us. And he's like, what are you saying? Like, I don't act right? And he goes, no, if you want to respect, what I'm saying is if you want respect on this team, then young brother, you have to show some. And you're thinking to yourself, well, what is Magic, who's been like this lapdog, how is he going to respond? And Kareem is the captain of this team. And he goes, I have to show some respect for this team? The team that you don't even run for? I've been working my ass off to bring and try to bring together that team. We all calling you cat, but you're not leading shit around here. You're stopping it. We're out here running like Ferraris while your old ass is moving like a cutlass and on two flats. Everybody else is too scared to say something, but I'm saying something. And that was the defining moment. That was the defining moment where Kareem had to look inside his own self and say, what do I want for my career? And that was the moment that Magic became captain, and that is facts. Rookie with a guy who five-time MVP already won a ring, about to get his sixth MVP, and Magic became the captain. You Are you kidding me? 20-year-old rookie's like, I do not care that you have five MVPs. You are not a good teammate, and you are not a good leader. And we're trying to build something here. We're number one. In the, we could be number one in the league, and you're just holding us back. Could not have been more timely. And I thought to myself, this is two men that are doing things in two different ways. A stoic and a guy who wants to lead with joy. A guy that's leading with piss and vinegar and the very bare minimum and just going off of his abilities. And a guy who's working his ass off to get to the top. And Kareem is still that guy. Kareem is still calling people out for not being politically active enough, like literally yesterday. Kareem said this uh, about LeBron, and he's done it multiple times to LeBron, by the way. Some of the things LeBron has done and said are really beneath him. He has not changed a bit. Some of the great things that he's done, he's standing on both sides of the fence. It makes it hard for me to accept that when he's committed himself to a a different take on everything. It's hard to figure out where he stands. You've got to check him out every time. He's basically saying, young brother, you are not consistent. Either you're for us or you're not. 
He loves the fact that LeBron built a school and sent kids to college, but he doesn't like that LeBron James says, cold, flu, COVID feels all the same to me. Especially when you've got vaccine hesitancy. And then earlier he said this about LeBron. For me, winning is enough. This was after LeBron James grabbed his, uh, fake grabbed his balls. And he said, for me, winning is enough. Why do you need to do a stupid childish dance and disrespect the other team on the court? It doesn't make sense. Goats don't dance. Not everybody is you, Kareem. Not everybody is a stoic like you. Let them have some joy out there. Not only if Kareem would turn that sharp tongue on the Lakers as a whole, maybe we would get somewhere. Like maybe if he turned that on Jerry, uh, Jerry Buss's <laughs> daughter, Jeannie, and Rob Palinka and that whole crew, maybe we would get somewhere. Because the Lakers are in shambles. Brock, I am going to play this clip I made on October 26th. Let's, uh, let's give it a listen, huh? The Lakers aren't good. I just need to get that out. They're not going to work. Russ and Braun and Rondo and AD on the floor at the same time. Not a good idea team has no defense. LeBron is the best shooter on the floor, which is, we'll call that a problem since he needs to be surrounded by shooters. And it looks ugly, truthfully. This team might mess around and not even make the playoffs, which you would just hate to see. Hate to see. You would just hate to see that. My Lord, it was uh, October 26th. The Lakers were 2-2, two and two, four games into the season. And uh, come on now, could I be any more correct? That video could have been shot today. No one likes to be right more than me. No one. What an evergreen take. Take is still ex- exactly correct now, except for that Rondo is basically gone. Nobody wants you to know. I'm right more than me, but I'm going to just keep playing these hits. You did not have to be a rocket scientist to see that this wouldn't work. Like a, It was like a plane crash. He's like falling, and you're like, I think that plane's going to crash. And it did, but everybody else was like, no, no, I think it's good. I think it's going to straighten itself out. The pilots look good. I predicted this team might not even make the playoffs. People were in my comments, boy. I tell you what, they were saying some wild stuff. And when I get some time... When I get some time, what'd they say? Where are some of the hits? The let's good. let's play some of the hits. Uh, I'm not worried. Hit us up at the end of the season. Let's revisit this in a month. It's only four games in. Keep that same angry energy when they win the champ- championship. Duet this video apologizing. Oh, my Lord. I can't wait to go back and get into the comment section when it's all said and done and the dirt is on their graves. They are two games out of the 10 spot right now. Two games out of the 10 spot in the West and a play-in game. We've got Anthony Davis saying, well, if we had Kendrick Nunn, we don't even know what we could have been. (laughs) Excuse me? Folks, that is a troll. That's what I say as a troll. You can't really assess this Laker team uh, until Kendrick Nunn is on the floor. You can't actually use that as a real logical argument. Kendrick Nunn is a, is a mid-level exception. If you're basing your championship run on a mid-level exception, we got fucking huge problems here. So, yeah, the season went exactly pretty much how I thought. 
four games in and also when they made this trade to begin with. I cannot wait to go back to the old comments and reply. I cannot wait. I will spend as much time as I need taking a victory lap. Man, Kareem, help those boys. Help those boys out there. Because it's the, it's the TikTok troll music. Every time it's the one that I play. And the Lakers are not the only team that is in this place. The Lakers aren't the only team that we felt like could be on a knife's edge, right? Here we are. A team that everyone deemed, even Vegas, as having one of the best chances. Lakers also were plus 450 to win it all, which was fucking obscene. But at 550 were the Nets. Five and a half to one. This Nets team is also in the plan right now. My God. Those Brooklyn Nets. Just just real danger of missing the playoffs altogether. Which, again, you would hate to see. Me particularly, since I have sweets to the playoff games. But I, I actually would hate to see that. Uh, but that's with KD and Kyrie playing every game. They just lost to the Atlanta Hawks in Atlanta. And Kevin Durant put up 55. Kyrie had 31. They're not good. This team has no defense. What were they... Th- what were they thinking getting rid of Jarrett Allen and getting James Harden, who then left less than a year after that? They lost 122 to 115 to the Hawks. KD had 55 and Kyrie had 31 points. They are the first team in history, folks. The first team in history to lose a game where one guy had over 50 and the other guy had over 30. That's never happened before. 80 points combined, more than 80 points combined between two guys, and you can't beat the Hawks, who are another playing fucking trash garbage squad? And right now, if the Nets can beat the Hornets on the road, and the Hornets won two or three from the Nets this year, they're staring at a one-and-done showdown again with the loser of the Cleveland-Atlanta game. You might have to go back to Atlanta and run that shit back. What? Cleveland split the season with the Nets. They could have Jared Allen back. The Hawks just beat the brakes off the Nets despite KD and Kyrie going ham. Odds don't look great, folks. And guess what? They just got worse. Steve Nash came out and said, oh, oh yeah, Ben Simmons, he's not going to be back until at least after the play-in. I get, I bet he's not even back for the first round. He's not ramped up yet. Herniated disc in his back. He's getting epidurals like he's pregnant. What are we talking about right now? No Ben to the rescue for the defensive woes. It's just Andre Drummond and an old Blake Griffin and a LaMarcus Aldridge and Peyote Nick Claxton out there trying to make something work. What are we talking about? And okay, so then best case, best case, Nets win two play-in games. Eight seed is the best scenario. Then you face off against the Heat. Bam Adebayo is going to give you fits. Tyler Hero is going to give you fits. Duncan Robinson. Victor Oladipo is back looking like himself. You got Max Struess. You got a lot of sharpshooters making buckets here. Jimmy Buckets is not who you need to worry about. You got even Dwayne Dedman's going to give Andre Drummond fits. And he's like 47 years old. Okay? So I don't know what they're going to do because they can very easily – get bounced. They could first and foremost, they could very easily miss the playoffs altogether. They could also very easily make the playoffs, get bounced out the first round of the heat. 
And somehow, they're still the third best odds to win it all. So apparently, they also could win it all and we wouldn't be surprised. This is maybe the craziest team, the most wildly composed situation. And like, I didn't even mention that this team doesn't even listen to Steve Nash anymore when he speaks. They don't even look at him when he's talking in the huddle. You've got Kyrie walking away. KD's looking probably down at his phone on Twitter, commenting back and shit. I hope for my benefit that we get to see one series because I want I want those fucking sweets. I want those sweet tickets. But my lord, is that another situation where you have two teams on two different coasts with wildly high expectations, underperforming at an extreme rate, with owners that have championship aspirations, and we just with stars on it, and we just keep saying like, why why can't you win? Why? Alright, let's look at the uh, playoff picture and see where everyone is today. Because I tell you what, it is. I don't remember a season that has been so opaque, so strange and murky. Because nothing has been decided at this point. There's only two things that we know for sure. One, Phoenix has the one seed locked up. They're seven games ahead of the next person below them. We've known that's pretty much two months ago. Once the Warriors began their, their death spiral. As soon as Draymond Green got hurt, as soon as Steph Curry started trying to win the all-time three-point hitting uh, record, that was pretty much a wrap. Suns. Have the number one seed no matter what. It's laid out for them. And now Memphis came out of nowhere and has the number two seed in the West and doesn't look like anybody's going to be able to catch up with them either. Some people are probably surprised by this, not us. We've been discussing it for months now. Desmond Bain, Xavier Tillman, just and on and on. Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson and DeAnthony. I mean, just so many good kids. Uh, Dylan Brooks, Ja Morant, obviously. Young, explosive, still winning without Ja. They beat the Suns last week, and they and the Suns were fully loaded completely healthy and they rested uh they rested Stephen Adams they rested Dylan no they rested Jaron Jackson they rested Desmond Bain and they beat the brakes off the Suns like it was just it was absolutely unreal this is a team nobody wants to see nobody wants to see other than that we have no idea what's going to happen the Heat are the number one seed right now in the East but there is a chance that they could lose that to the Bucks or the Sixers like, there's, like, maybe two or three games between them. The Celtics, Bucks, and Sixers are currently 2-3-4, and one half game separates them. No idea who's going to end up where, probably until the last day of the season. The Bulls and Raptors are 5-6, and six, but could slip into the play-in with a couple of losses. That's likely where they'll land, but who is 5 and who is 6 is very unknown. The Cavs and the Hawks are 7-8, and eight, probably going to stay there. Cavs will probably host the play-in game. And as we discussed, the Nets and the Hornets are in the 9 and the 10 right now, which is just bonkers. But who is going to host this playoff game, still not play-in game, is still not known because they're tied right now in the standings. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Out West, the 3 and the 4, also up for grabs. Warriors keep tanking, and the Mavs keep winning. One game separates them with Golden State in third. The Mavs are going to make a push for 3 because they probably would rather play 6 than in, in the Jazz than 5 in the Nuggets, right? Jazz are giving up 20-point leads like I drink water. So, I mean, it's just an all-day thing for them. The Wolves have an outside chance of making the number six seed, which I did predict 
12 months ago, and I did predict with you, Brock, I want to say the first episode of the year. So if Utah keeps drinking water, a.k.a. blowing leads, they could end up in the sixth seed. Right now, the Wolves would host the seven, uh, the seven Wolves would host the eight Clippers in a Pat Bev revenge game, which I will be here for. Like, I will be absolutely here for. The Lakers, uh, oh, and the Pelicans have a game lead on the number 10 Spurs, who are surging. All of a sudden, the Pelicans came out of fucking nowhere, flying the ointment, pushing the Lakers down so that the Lakers have a better draft pick for them to get, and also a worse spot for also them to get as well. If they have like a 14 pick in the draft of their own, they get it. If the Lakers have like a a pick that's worse, they get it as well. So it's a win-win for the Pels, and all of a sudden after a disastrous beginning to the year, they have figured it out, strangely, without Zion. Who could have seen Zion not playing all year, right? Like, that was also just absolutely unpredictable. The Lakers on the outside looking in at this point and will probably have to win at least three of their last four games to get in, uh, unless the Spurs win one game, and then they would have to win all four, which is unlikely because of the NBA's desire to see LeBron James play in meaningful games down the stretch and putting those games on national television. You can't have them play a bunch of cupcakes going down the stretch, so it's a fucking gauntlet. They play the Suns, they play the Warriors, they play the Nuggets, and then they play the Thunder. Good luck and good night. My best case, personal best case scenarios for the first round. I want to see the Suns play the Clippers because I want to see can Paul George lead this team? Will Kawhi Leonard make a push to come back? Can they get Norm Powell? Also, Ty Lu, one of the most geniuses in the game in terms of his coaching. What will he do against this Suns team? Also, that series last year in the Western Conference semis, or the Western Conference Finals it was, wasn't it? Western Conference Finals was epic. Even though they don't have Pat Bev, Pat Bev anymore, I promise it will be electric. I want to see Memphis play the Jazz because I want the Jazz to go home in the first round. I want them to blow it up. Like Donovan Mitchell's already only passing the ball to Rudy Gobert less times than he passes to the other team. He legitimately has more turnovers per game than he passes to Rudy Gobert. And I'm not talking about assists. I'm talking about actually giving the ball to Rudy Gobert. He passes to him two times a game. Two times. That needs to explode. Like, I need Utah to just dismantle. So a first-round exit is the way for that to happen. And I want to see Memphis have a nice, easy path to play the Suns in the Western Conference Finals. Golden State plays the Wolves, 3-6. I want to see the Wolves take Golden State out. I want them to get – I want to just take a victory lap on the Warriors aren't going to be that good. All the things, things that I thought might happen – about guarding Steph, blitzing him, issues with Clay's health, his ability to defend as a two-way player, his body coming back right, Andrew Wiggins in playoff moments, Jordan Poole getting glossy in the face, all the other role players just disintegrating, all those things that I see in my mind's eye so clearly. I want that to come and everyone else to see them in reality as well. I want that. And I want to see the Wolves make it past the first round. That'd be fucking fun. They're electric, they're athletic, and I love Ant Edwards. I want to see the Mavs play the Nuggets. I just want the Mavs to just ball out. Can, can Luka get out of the first round? Can we just get the best matchup for him to get out of the first round? I really want that. I really, really want that. And then that sets up for a cool second round as well. Uh, in the East, I want to see the Nets play the Heat. I want the Nets to go home. I want them to admit that they made all the wrong decisions. I want them to not give Kyrie an extension. Like, I want chaos. I do. Like, that's what I 
Trista Crick, not the basketball fan, but the podcaster wants. Like, that shit makes TikTok go, right? That shit explodes. I need some numbers. So I want the Nets to go night-night. Night-night, sleep night. I want one series. I want to go to Barclays. I want to go Brooklyn. And I want to, like, root for Kyle Lowry in my heart of hearts to hit daggers and take charges and, like, make life uncomfortable. I want to see KD score 80 in order for this team to win. Like, I want him to just, like, be Superman and still, like, go home and still, like, be like, ah, it's okay. I want to see Boston take on either Atlanta or I want to see them play Cleveland if Jared Allen can come back. Like, how do they deal with somebody like Jared Allen? And Evan Mobley. Like, can Boston really defend that? What does that matchup look like? That would be fun. Or, man, Atlanta was, is a bad matchup for, for Boston. Well, I mean, Boston's a bad matchup for Atlanta. They've got n- uh, nobody else but Trey. You're going to get Mark- the Marcus Smart, Trey Young matchup I am here for. Like, there will be someone is going to break something. Like, you know that's the case. Number three, Sixers. I want them to play Toronto because I want to see who, who's not vaccinated. Like, I want to see I want to see who can't go to Toronto. And I want them to say to me that they care more about not putting Moderna in their body than they do about a ring. Like, I want, I want to know that for sure. Oh, okay. Got you. Oh, okay. That's, that's what I want to see. I want to know that Matisse Thibel is not like full. He, he probably is, but I'm just guessing. There are guys who haven't made the trip and won't make the trip, and I want to see who that is. And I want the Sixers to go home. I want them to have to make the same decisions that the Nets have to make with Kyrie Irving but with James Harden. Are you going to pay this man $50 million a year? After you just had a first-round exit? After a first-round exit? I want to see Embiid cry memes. I want the memes of that again. I love MB, but I want that. I want Philly to be in fucking disarray. I want Daryl Morey to be fired. I want chaos. The Sixers don't deserve nice things. They tried to get James Harden last year, and it didn't work because fucking Daryl Morey put his foot in his mouth with the, the Hong Kong stuff, and Tillman Fertitta hates him, and the whole thing was just madness. And I want to see Philly fans turn on Harden. I want to see Philly fans say... What do we do now? I want the process to be completely over. I want Embiid to force trade out. These are things I envision, and I want to see the ball start to roll downhill on my imagination. You know what I'm saying? That's what I want. And Toronto is long, and they switch everything, and then you got to play in another country. It is just the, the possibilities are endless. And I want to see how those you know, six guys that they have in their rotation that they only play, how are you going to match up with Embiid? How are you going to stop Embiid? Just double him because Nick Nurse was the Embiid stopper uh, in their title run. He knows how to play mind games with Embiid. I want to see that as well. And then finally, uh, Bucks play the Bulls night night. It's a it's a night night scenario. I also want Demar Derozan to try to put this team on his back. I want to see Zach Levine hit a bunch of threes against Middleton. Uh, who is Drew Holiday going to guard? Like, how are they going to stop Giannis? They're not. Like, how is Vooch? I want to see Vooch get cooked by Giannis, don't you? Like, he gets cooked by everybody. He's going to die against Giannis. And then you've got Brooke Lopez. Who, how do they guard that? Patrick Williams? I mean, that's a terrible matchup for the Bulls. But I want to see it. I want to see I want to see it. So finally, the desire is Golden State bounce first round. 
because I'm right. Jazz bounce first round so Donovan Mitchell can go to New York. Sixers bounce first round so they have to figure out how they can justify to the fan base paying a guy who's old as shit and like has no explosiveness. His blow by is like 20% now and like you now need to pay him until he's almost 40. And I want to see Joel Embiid be like, yeah, I think I don't want that. I would prefer Bradley Beal, please. I want to see that. Uh, and I want to see that gauntlet matchup between Brooklyn. I want to figure out what you do with Kyrie. So that would be fire. And, of course, all of that to say, like, of course I want to see the Lakers miss the playoffs altogether. Like, I need that. I need I need Anthony Davis to be on the trade block. I need Rob Palinka to be fired. I need Frank Vogel, of course, is already fired. I need Jeannie Buss to bring back magic because you know that's going to happen. I need more winning time moments like 30 years from now, like these ones. Like it's like the, it's called losing time. I need the losing time moments for me, my 30 year, 30 year after now, my 60 year old self needs the losing time. I cannot wait for this week to unfold, and I bet you can't either. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We'll be back Wednesday. Do not forget to download, subscribe. Please tell your friends. Um, follow us on social, at This Heat Check and at Trista Crick on TikTok and on Twitter. See you guys next uh, Wednesday. Know these rats cannot see TSA. They found me now, I had to relocate. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.